Well, that very much sucked. Uh, and we're going to talk about it here. In episode 578 of BD4, welcome to the podcast, talking Knicks-Celtics in this show. The Knicks fall to the Celtics in the rematch at the Fake Garden last night. 98 points for the Knicks. 114-98 was the final score. And uh, the Knicks dropped this one once again at, I don't know, some place called Toronto something-something garden. Maybe it's somewhere in Canada. All right, let's do it. Episode 578 of the pod. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Welcome to the podcast, episode 578 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome. Um, tough loss last night at some random place in Toronto. Toronto Garden, they call it. Uh, we'll talk about it, but if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. Uh, you can find BD4 on the many podcast platforms. You can listen to us. On Apple Podcasts, you can watch us on YouTube and also Spotify. Um, yeah. Social media, you know where to go there. If you want to support the channel on Venmo, you know where to go there. Um, help us out. It would really help help the podcast, the blog, the channel. As we keep on going along here, episode 578. Uh Still talking about Nick's losses, you know, <laughs> that might never change. Um, but, you know, let's get into it. I don't want to waste time. Last night, 114.98 at the Garden. And, um, hold on here, I don't want to, uh-oh, okay, we're good. And, um, it, it was tough, you know, uh, RJ Barrett was scratched late, uh, called it a headache, uh, he's either the migraine um he's either the the biggest pussy in the world or b which is 99 percent what really happened the knicks are trying to get him off back-to-backs uh right now with the knee injury and i think that's it and i called it i, I said i had a feeling this knee thing would be a little bit bigger than it is and it would linger and i just hope it doesn't linger too much and doesn't become something bigger than what it is because I have a feeling it might cause him to miss a few more back-to-backs 
Um, so he missed this game with a migraine. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, you know, professional athletes have the best medical staff and they could take these things. Then a migraine isn't taking someone out of a game. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, you know, LM, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the word you're not supposed to say anymore. Uh, although the Knicks are allowed to load manage because they don't have two guys from the all-star team. Isn't that the rule? Anyways, uh, tough game. 114-98 loss. Um, the Celtics just tear the Knicks apart um, at the end there. You know, Tatum went off for 35 points. 17 of those came in the fourth quarter. Kind of stretched the game from a close game to a blowout. Once he started going off, um, like my phone is, uh, mute this. Jalen Brown, 22 points. He was attacking the basket from the get-go. Kristaps Porzingis, 21 more points. Hurting Mitchell Robinson again in pick and pop. We'll talk on that. Um, Hauser had 12 points, and it felt like he had 112 points because he was wide open every time. Uh, Randall played him with absolutely zero awareness. Um, He lost him on so many instances in the half court in transition popping off of screens, uh, that play where quickly was at the free throw line. Hauser kind of gets a lead on him and Randall doesn't even, it was, it was tough. Uh, that guy was really bothering me last night. Um, and for the Knicks, Brunson had 26, Randall had 25, Hart had 16. We're not going to go through quarters one to four like we usually do. I didn't feel like putting that down on my notes, reliving it. We're just going to talk about a few talking points and head out of here. Um, Because this was a game that still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Usually, I record these podcasts the next day because I feel better afterwards, and I slept on it, and you know I was able to get it off out of my head, off my chest. This one still bothers me. You know, um, I hate the Celtics. I hate the city of Boston. I can't stand their fans. Um, I think they try way too hard to be like this big market team, but it just doesn't work. Um, but they, they listen, the Celtics own the Knicks and there's nothing you could do about that. Um, Oh, and two, right. And so credit to Joe Mazzula, good coach, uh, came into last night's game plan, uh, game with, with a well-organized game plan. Um, it seemed like he had a few plans of actions in this game and, uh, they worked very well. You know, um, attack Randall off ball and put him into actions. Uh, attack the Nick Wings because they're very undersized. You know, Jalen Brown was bullying Quentin Grimes early on. Jason Tatum was bullying Josh Hart late in the fourth quarter. We had Josh Hart even on Al Horford at times when the Boston Celtics went big and the Knicks went small. Um, even those contested shots that Boston started knocking down in the second half were on good defenders like Rhymes, Hart and them, but they're just, they're smaller wing defenders. They're not really prototypical wings. So the Knicks size was an issue once again, last night. Um, you could tell one of their points of emphasis was also to neutralize Mitch, right? Neutralize Mitchell Robinson on both ends of the floor. Um, the Boston Celtics last night, man, they just, 
they hurt Mitch. Uh, Mitch was playing in a drop again. Uh, Porzingis hurting him in pick and pop. Uh, and we'll talk about this in a second. Um, Knicks had just 18 points in the paint to their 35, I believe. Mitch had four points only, only six rebounds, only three offensive rebounds. He was absolutely neutralized on both ends. He wasn't terrible, but this was by far his worst game of the season, and it's not a coincidence that both of Mitch's worst games of the season have come against KP and the Celtics. Um, they do a nice job on him, you know, and on the other, on the other end of the floor, um, you could tell their focus was to force the Knicks into short clock possessions in the half court, force the Knicks to rush, right? They did this by pressuring the ball in the full court, especially in the second half. You saw that. And what that would do is it would often lead the Knicks to getting into their offensive sets very late. You know, there was a lot of switching once the Knicks crossed the timeline. They would put a number of defenders onto Jalen Brunson in a single possession. And what that does, it it kills time with all the switching and having to adjust to different defenders. They'd switch on DHO. So it would take that away. And, you know, you take away the DHO. The Knicks like to run a lot of DHO. You take that away, and then you got a few seconds left in the shot clock. You got to revert to some ISO late in the clock. Um, I thought Emmanuel quickly was slow to attack. He had mismatches on him like Al Horford. A number of times he couldn't get it done. There was a possession where he had Horford on him um, on the far side baseline. And instead he goes from the baseline to kind of the top of the key, resets the offense, drains the shot clock all the way down to one or two seconds, drives on Horford, doesn't get a good look up, a contested fadeaway in the mid-range, and he misses. So they, they adjusted very well defensively. In the second half, um, you know, you got Boston's top-notch half-court defense going up the Knicks' slow pace half-court offense. That's not going to be a recipe for success. You know, the Knicks, they just play way too slow. They play way too slow. How often have we said this? My neck's been hurting me. Um... The Knicks just got to adjust. We've talked about this a ton. They got to adopt. They got to get with the times and play a little bit faster. You know, maybe this is the year the league adjusts to their offense. That was top three last year. I don't think we're going to get that this year. A lot of guys just way too slow. Brunson takes his damn time. Quickly takes his time. Randall, we know about the over dribbling. I mean, we had Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart initiating offense out there in the fourth quarter. With Brunson on the floor, there's just a lot of a lot of passing up open looks, which kills time, right? A lot of hesitancy. Hart, Randall, Grimes, we always say. Now, none of this was a big issue last season because their slow-paced style, again, netted them the third-best offense in the NBA, but they were able to get their points in the paint last year. They were great in ISO. Pick and roll into an ISO, two feet in the paint, Drive and kick, and if the shot didn't fall, you had Mitch get the second chance rebounds. But that hasn't been the case this season. They're not knocking down their shots like they, in the paint at least, like they were last year, right? It's not been the same in the two point land for guys like uh, Brunson, for Randall inside the restricted area. Nobody's passing really this year. I've not been impressed with Brunson's passing. Uh, the only 
players on this team who've passed efficiently, who've been good playmakers, R.J. Barrett, excellent, and Emmanuel quickly at times. You could see his core vision has been better. Um, but it's just, it's it's it was not, it was everything I expected this offense to do against the Boston Celtic half-court defense. I'll put it that way. Especially without R.J. Barrett. Um, so I wanted to get that out of the way. I also want to touch on Quinton Grimes a little more. Um, specifically how the Knicks are using him, where they're using him, stuff like that, how often he's being utilized or used, how he's being utilized. I want to talk Quentin Grimes when we return from our first break here on BD4. Stay with us. Episode 578 of the podcast. We'll be right back in about 15, 20 seconds. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Okay, welcome back to BD4, episode 578 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ. If you're new here to the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the many platforms we're on. You can listen to the podcast on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review if you want. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Um, and you know where to find us on social media. I want to talk Quentin Grimes right now. And listen, in no way am I saying, because this has been a topic of conversation all year, I understand that Quentin Grimes will be getting less reps than Brunson, than R.J. Barrett, than Julius Randle, than Quickly, right? I get those four guys are going to get the bulk of the shots and the touches. But after that, I feel like with Mitch and with Grimes, those guys need to be right there. He shouldn't be any further down in the pecking order than that. And I feel like he is. I feel like Tom Thibodeau has a thing with Josh Hart over Quentin Grimes. Um, and I feel like that shouldn't be a thing. I feel like Grimes needs to be ahead of Josh Hart in the pecking order simply because he's a three-point threat in the year 2023. It hurts the Knicks' offense when they overuse Josh Hart. It helps their offense when they use Quentin Grimes a lot. It's easier to defend them versus it's more difficult to defend them. Now, let me explain what I mean because I'm not just saying it's because Grimes has a higher three-point percentage or something stupid and obvious. And... Because we've talked about this. It's hard to explain to, like, the casual fan who doesn't pay attention to the nooks and crannies of everything and, like, the the, the precise detail, like, like the nerds like myself do. But you've seen now in each of these three games where R.J. Barrett sat, the Nick offense has struggled bad, right? 89 points against Cleveland. Um, I think they barely crack 100 against Milwaukee. 
and then 98 uh, last night against the Celtics. Why is that? Sure. You need RJ scoring. That's another obvious answer a toddler could tell you. But without RJ, it's Josh Hart who Tibbs literally gives the 40 minutes. So he played 43 minutes last night. And it just doesn't fit next to a Randall Mitch front court. Not to mention it makes life easier for Jalen Brunson to do his work. And I know that Grimes could be very hesitant up there. Right, He passes off a lot of shots. He'll pump fake sometimes. Um, he'll put it on the floor instead of rising up over the closing out defender. I get all that. But defenses, they still treat Grimes as a three-point threat. So they're going to play up tight on him. They're going to play up at the level. They're not going to help off him. With Josh Hart out there, they will help off him. They're very willing to send help at the nail. And if Brunson is the one initiating the action and Josh Hart is just one pass over, that defender now becomes a help defender onto Brunson. And it's just going to make his life much more difficult because he's got to work extra hard with two on the ball. And we keep seeing this happen. The Nick offense is just not talented enough yet. It's just not creative enough to be able to mitigate a deficiency like that against a very great half-court defense. We would be if we had another superstar out there, but that's a whole other conversation to have. It, With the way it looks like right now, having Hart out there as much as he is, and it just it shrinks the floor. It shrinks the floor. It puts two on the ball. It crowds the paint. And it's just not a very good flowing half-court offense this way. And this is like Grimes could be having one of his non-factor games, right? Where he gets four shots, two points. But he still makes life easier for the other four guys around him simply because, again, he's a threat who can knock down a three. So what that does is it forces the defense to play a certain way. So I think what must happen, and this must happen yesterday... When RJ does sit these back-to-back games, and I think you're going to see that a little bit more, Grimes needs to be the one getting the actions that RJ usually gets put into. And Josh Hart needs to be the one positioned on the weak side of the floor. And we saw a little bit of that in the first half where Tibbs had Hart in in the weak side corner spaced out, but it's just not enough. I, I just, I don't know what it is. Even in a game where Quinton Grimes played well, He scored 12 points yesterday. He hit some huge triples for them. Four for six from range. They still don't incorporate him like they could. I mean, we had Josh Hart out there, again, in the fourth quarter last night. I don't know, about midway through. With Brunson on the floor, Josh Hart's initiating offense on the right wing. For like two consecutive possessions. I don't know. Um, And for some reason... During the fourth quarter collapse, when the game was getting away from the Knicks, Grimes was nowhere to be seen. He played just 28 minutes last night. He played the entire third quarter, I understand that, but he didn't check in the fourth quarter until the 3 minute 30 mark. And by that time, it was what they call garbage time. In my opinion, as soon as Josh Hart made that street ball three-pointer off of Drew Holiday's back... He started fumbling the game away right there. And how ironic was that three-pointer, by the way? Because the way, the only reason he got that three-pointer off because it was because he was 
uh, afraid to shoot. It bounced off of Holiday's back because he pump faked the shot. He hesitated. It was just such an ironic uh, play. It was Josh Hart to a T in the half court. Um, but right after that, I mean, he has that awful foul on Tatum for the four-point play. Then he picks up the offensive foul, turns it over. He misses the runner. Holiday knocks down a three. And then right there, Tom Thibodeau calls a timeout. The Knicks are down 10 points. There's about seven minutes left in the ballgame. You could feel it starting to slip away. That right there, right there, right then, should have been Grimes' time. He should have came back in the game right there. But what happens? Hart stays in the game. DiVincenzo checks out for Julius. And we don't see Quentin Grimes until the 10-point deficit becomes a 16-point deficit with three minutes and change left. So I understand size, matchups, and it's a roster thing that needs fixing before we criticize Tibbs. I just felt like this needed to be a game that we saw Grimes in. You know, um, the problem is I think Tom Thibodeau views Grimes exclusively as a two. And part of me understands that because he is small for a wing. He has difficulty defending normal sized wings. You know, we saw Brown push him around a little bit. Uh, Tatum did it a ton in, in game one at the Garden. But it also prevents him from staggering Grimes, which could really help because if you get Grimes playing with that second unit, I feel like he'd thrive because the second unit, they pass the ball. They don't have three high-usage dudes right next to him. So, yeah, going forward, I understand that Grimes isn't going to get a ton of shots up, but on the second of back-to-backs in games where RJ's not there and you're running eight men anyway, we need to see more Grimes than we do Josh Hart. You know, and I don't really care what Josh Hart's being paid either. Optics shouldn't have an impact. Just because Leon paid $80 million for a hustle player, it doesn't mean he has to play 40 minutes a night and get all these reps on the ball at the cost of one of your younger homegrown players. And I love Josh Hart. Josh Hart was good. Josh Hart does great things for this team. Last night, 16-9, three assists on the side. Best game of the year for him. But that's also the thing. It's not... Like, this whole thing isn't about Josh Hart being bad. It's about Josh Hart's inability to shoot the ball or him being gun-shy affects the other four guys and what the defense does. It's about what happens to the guys around him where the defense plays on the floor. So, I say get Grimes into action more. Get him coming off some double high screens with Randall and Mitch because either Grimes will be open off of that or Randall will have the switch into a mismatch. You know, get him get him in action. When he was knocking down threes in the, in the middle of this game, I was so into it. It was awesome. I was like, man, I wish we saw this more. He's finally hot. It's the first time he's been hot, it feels like. It's so key. He's key. He's a three-point sniper who can play good defense. I just feel like we should use it more. So I want to start there. Um, I, I wanted to start there. That's that's all I have there. Um, no more no more Grimes for the rest of the episode. 
Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the way the Knicks played defense last night and how it was difficult for them once again uh, defending the pick and pop on the perimeter. We'll talk about that when we return from break. Stay with us here on BD4, episode 578. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you are new here to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can find BD4 on many different platforms, but if you want to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. You can do that. You can also subscribe to our YouTube to our YouTube channel where the video format of the podcast is up as well. You can also watch it on Spotify. Last night, the Knicks gave up 114 points, I think it was. Um, getting destroyed in pick and roll, pick and pop once again. Does anybody want to guess why? <laughs> you can ask Porzingis because he lets you know straight up in his post game. Uh, hey, Porzingis, why do you think it is that you have success against the Knicks so often? Drop coverage. Yeah, drop coverage. That's it. Drop coverage against a five-out offense with a stretch big who plays in pick and pop. Who would have thought it wouldn't be the best strategy? <laughs> Now, the Knicks did mix up their coverages a little bit more last night, so I'm not going to hammer Tibbs for this. But to me, there were just still one too many times where they ran a straight drop where Mitchell Robinson sank below the free throw line, and it absolutely killed them. Um, first off, this this allowed the Celtics to do what I said and, and attack Julius Randle off ball by putting him into actions because with Mitch backtracking and drop. His momentum's going backwards. It's very difficult for him to switch the action. So you can't really switch that way. And Randall got caught up in, in a lot of pick and roll that way. Um, but I thought a key moment in this game came in the third quarter um, out of an ATO. It's a 58-58 game. Joe Mazzula draws up a nice set out of an ATO. He runs pick and pop with Derek White and Kristaps Porzingis. And so it's Brunson and Mitch in the action. But they knew the Knicks weren't going to switch Brunson onto Porzingis. They knew they were playing drop. So Porzingis screened. He faded to the top of the three-point line. And Mitch was late coming up as expected. And Porzingis knocks it down. Now, there were a couple of possessions after that in the third quarter where the Knicks, Tibbs, adjusted and he switched it. But it really wasn't a consistent theme throughout the game. Uh, and I, I think Tibbs, with you know just knowing how much he likes size, I think he didn't want to go with the switch everything because he was afraid of the mismatches. Not exactly Porzingis on a small, because historically Porzingis isn't great with switches. We've seen that plenty of times as Knicks fans. He can't really exploit the mismatch. But it's the other matchup out of the switch that I think he was concerned about. It's it's having a big on a small or having a big on a wing, right? I don't know if he wanted that. And I get that. Um, I still would have liked to see the Knicks try mixing different coverages in 
Um, I still feel like the majority of their coverages, I would say 70%, I'm just ballparking it, were straight drop. Uh, I felt we could have tried to employ more traps. You know, maybe switching a high hedge. uh, Maybe try icing the pick and roll. Because in the first quarter of this game, we actually did see that. We saw some very good defense uh, where the Celtics on a possession, they ran an empty side pick and roll. But the Knicks iced it. They iced it to the sideline. And Mitch was taken on an island in one-on-one with Jalen Brown. And I thought he held his own. He went one-on-one with Mitch. Brown took him to the basket. He ended up making the shot, but it was a very good defensive possession by Mitch. He contested it well. It was just a better shot. Uh, but we didn't really see much of it. Uh, and you go back to game one at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks had some success with traps, with switching the pick and roll. I remember specific possessions where, you know, Hartenstein and RJ would trap on Jalen Brown, and Hartenstein would recover fine. Hartenstein and Randall would trap on Holiday. Mitch and RJ trapping on Tatum. Mitch would recover fine onto Porzingis. Like Mitch and Dante were on Peyton Pritchard. Go back to game one. There were possessions where the Knicks were fine trapping. Um, but I just feel like in these two games, you look back at them in the 92 whatever minutes they played against the Celtics this year. You go back to every single pick and roll where the Knicks ran a straight drop, it didn't end well. It didn't. It just didn't end well for the Knicks. And and listen, again, there's no easy answer here. I'm not going to sit here and be a couch coach and want Tibbs fired like everybody on Twitter after every loss. I just give my thoughts as a fan who's got an opinion that doesn't matter. (laughs) That's, That's all. Because even if you had Mitch out high instead of in a deep drop, it would have left the lane wide open. You know, especially the corner defenders because they can't really afford to cheat that far into the paint since you're going up against the five-out offense. You know, if you cheat, the penetrator kicks, you're done. There was actually a great example of that I saw. Um, where there, this might have been in the third quarter. Mitch comes out high. Um, Grimes was in the strong side corner on Drew Holiday off ball. So Tatum drives middle on the strong side. And... Grimes on the strong side corner. Tatum drives middle. And because Grimes is on holiday, he can't really commit to the help in the middle of the lane. So he stays... Excuse me. So he stays closer to holiday than trying to stunt on Tatum. And, you know, because of that, it left a wide open lane and an easy basket at the rim for Tatum. So there's going to be consequences in whatever coverage you employ. Um, I just, I wish we took that chance to see how it would have played out a little more, you know? Uh, but again, the, the, this team right now, the Boston Celtics, were they nine and one, eight and two? They're the best team in basketball. They have the perfect, perfect modern day offense that is going to be a powerhouse all year. Um, so there's no, there's no straight answer here. There's no black and white. This is what you do. This is what you don't. This is just, again, this is me nitpicking and complaining being a Monday morning quarterback. Um, But, you know, that's what we do here on this show. I want to talk a little bit more about um, this game. When we return from break, we'll talk some Jalen Brunson. We'll talk uh, some Isaiah Hartenstein because we've got some awards to hand out. We'll be right back here on BD4. Stay with us.
If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. <clears throat> okay. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you're listening to episode 578 of the podcast. Um, Jalen Brunson gets his second Bing Bong game ball last night. Bing Bong! I thought he played well. I thought he played well. Um, 23 points last night, 10 of 21 from the field, four assists. I thought he played well. Um, he's starting to find it. You could see the efficiencies coming in the last three games. Uh, his two-point shot in particular is starting to fall, right? We, we've talked about his issues so far this year at the first two levels, the floaters, the mid-range jumpers. He's up to 42% from two, which is still a bad number, but it's much better than where it was, uh, again, three, four games ago. Um, in his last two games... He's 55% on those two-point shots. So that's a positive. You're starting to see him come around there. I still want to see a better balance. I still want to see more point guard play from him. I feel like he's not sharp yet there. Um, I feel like the shot attempts are up this year. The turnovers might be up as well. I know the assist numbers are down. I, I It seems like a lot of the time he's trying too hard to put his team on his back. Um the defenses are putting more size on him. Right, We're seeing defenses get more physical with him higher up on the floor. I just want a bit more of a balance between scoring and playmaking. You know, I'm not expecting Brunson to become a pass-first point guard. So I think the people who are, who are mad at him at scoring the ball is a little nut, it's a little crazy. It's a little nuts to be like I th- this is this is just something I, I want to see. You know, this isn't something I'm I'm saying is holding him back, and I'm not saying he's having a bad year. I feel like he's been good. Um, I still feel like there's another level he could get to, um, to be what he was last year, and it's a high standard, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, people who are like criticizing, overly criticizing him because he's not this double-digit assist guy, it's nuts. You need to realize the era we're in. He's not going to be Rajon Rondo. That guy's been retired. Is, is he retired? He's still, I don't even know where he is. But he's not been in his. He's not been Rajon Rondo for years now. We're not in that era anymore. And it's crazy because after all these years of of bitching and moaning about not having a point guard, this and that, these spoiled ass Knicks fans. It's crazy that I'm using that word, but that that's what we are right now. I mean, now we're complaining about this guy who we got. At such a cheap deal has been so good that now we're only looking for one star and not two. Remember, we were looking for two stars. It's like you, you guys are angry that he's getting buckets and he's not like Alfred Payton, but you hated Payton for that for for facilitating. It's like do you want Payton back? He'll get you the eight nine assists. I'm sure he'll be glad to come off the couch and 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 play ball at the steal of Brunson's contract. 
I mean, I saw, I literally saw a comment on Twitter this morning because I like to make myself mad. So I go on Twitter at times after losses and the comment said, it's a red flag when my point guard scores 45 points. I'd rather him 20 assists. I am just sitting here dumb fucking founded. Have you ever read something or heard something so stupid and so mind-numbing that you don't even have the capacity in your brain to process a response or to process what he said and respond? Yeah, that was that. So uh, he's not going to become a pass-first point guard overnight. What he can do is just add a little more passing in there. Get that balance back that he had last year. right? And I think... Some of that, some of those complaints will start to taper off once the efficiency is where it was last year. And it's, again, it's starting to creep back up there. I think it just comes down to if he makes shots, you're going to hear less people bitch. But that's also the thing, right? Right now, he's not been as efficient, but he's playing like he's been very efficient in, in that he's taking the shots this, the same way he always has, if that makes any sense at all. I think I, 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 Extended this conversation a little too long. Um, so, um, yeah, Jalen Brunson gets gets a, a game ball last night. Also getting one off the bench because of process of elimination, honestly, Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein wasn't terrible last night. He was he was fine. He was whatever. Uh, but this, I feel like it's his second time this year getting a game ball because of process of elimination. Um, because quickly was awful last night. He was awful. Dante DiVincenzo was horrific. Uh, on both sides of the ball, he was terrible. And, I, and I'm getting a little tired of him not knocking down shots. It, it's getting a little late now. Um, but his defense was very bad last night. Um, Josh Hart ran with the starting unit. And Tibbs only ran eight. So there was no deuce, which is shocking because that's that's usually your, your fill-in. Um, but yeah, with the three-man bench, the least worst of the three was... Isaiah Hartenstein. So that's his third uh, game ball of the year. And two of them, unfortunately for him, have come because his teammates have been less impressive versus him being impressive. But he has been good this year. Um, And so I think I, I think that's it. I, I think this is where we're going to wrap this up. Um, final thoughts on this game. Tough. I wanted I wanted this one so bad. Um, I don't like losing to the Boston Celtics. Um, but that's it. Five and five in the first 10 games. Not the worst in the world, but certainly not good. Um, you played a lot of tough teams. You played Boston twice. You played Cleveland twice. You played the Pelicans, the Clippers, the Bucks. That's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games right there of the 10. Tough schedule. A lot of back to back sets. I think there were three back to back sets so far. Right, RJ Barrett missed a lot of time. Three games he missed. Knicks lost all three of them. So considering all of that, you'll live with it. It's not a good record. It's not a great place to be in, but you live with it. Um, and it's kind of what I expect, right? I hoped for maybe one more win in there, two more wins to open up the year, but it's still very early. Not panicking yet. Um, I said before the season began in my final predictions episode that I do think the Knicks do regress this year. Uh, I think, again, I said, I believe there'll be a sixth seed around 
at, at 45 wins. That's what I had. I said 45 wins in the sixth seed in my final preseason episode. You can go back and check. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I just, I feel like that's where they're going to be. I feel like the offense isn't going to be as great. Um, but who knows? The defense, maybe it's better. You know, it, it's been good so far. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think this, the one thing I'll say, I don't think this Knicks team last season loses both of these games. Um, they might win both, honestly. They might have won both of these. Um, I, I just, uh, those close games, especially the one at the Garden, I feel like they take. But maybe that's maybe that's just me overreacting. Maybe it's a bad omen. Um, but one thing they do need, they need to find wing depth. They need some, they need some depth. They need some size at wing, at three, at four. Because uh, if they want a better seating, they're probably going to have to add some size. You know, you, you can run against the Spurs. You can run against the Hornets, bum teams. You can do whatever you want against. But when you face the big boys, you're going to need some size. You're going to need size. And again, R.J. Barrett didn't play. But four more games left on this road trip. You got the Hawks, Wizards, Hornets, and the Wolves. I don't think two and two does it, folks. I don't think I would accept that. Um, The Wolves game might be a tough one. Ann Edwards, Towns, Gobert, that's tough. But to me, you cannot lose either of the Hawks, Wizards, or Hornets games. Not after the tough losses that you've taken against that you've taken against top teams like the Bucks, Celtics. Like you've you've had some tight games against top competition. You gotta put these low level scrubs away. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if they're close games. I don't care if it's if it's a back to back when when you play Washington, Charlotte Friday, Saturday. I don't care if that's a back to back. Just do it. Just win. Al Davis. Just win, baby. That's all I want. So we'll see. Uh, tough loss. This is one that's probably going to stay. Continue to bother me until the Knicks pick up their next win. So, <coughs> excuse me. Let's head to our final break. When we get back, we'll finish it off with trivia. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Okay, so for this episode, episode 578 of the podcast, our trivia question, R.J. Barrett became the youngest Nick to 5,000 points this year. Who's the second youngest? Um, I think this was also an MSG trivia a couple games ago when he reached that plateau. 
Um, so R.J. Barrett became this uh, the youngest Nick to 5,000 points this year. Who was the second youngest? All right, R.J. Barrett became the youngest Nick to 5,000 points this year. Who is the second youngest? And obviously, 5,000 career points we're talking about. Um, so, that's it. That's all we got for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed the show. We're about 45 minutes into it. We'll cut it off here. Um, I think we've said what we need to say. Uh, hit on all the points I wanted to. Got through all my notes here on, on uh, my notepad. And um, hopefully we win this game coming up on Wednesday. Um, was it Charlotte or Washington? No, it's the Hawks. It's the Hawks. Hopefully we win in Atlanta on Wednesday. So it's, you know, I feel like the Knicks are past that whole fear Trey Young thing. Right? We, we, we bitch that guy around now. Um, we can give them the, the fake COVID year. That's fine. The Knicks have done a very nice job handling the Hawks since then. So that's it. Let's wrap it up. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!